1: I'm tired of Caleb Williams, the quarterback of USC, the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm tired of student-athletes. All of a sudden, they're professionals. They're on every commercial. we got to listen to them, Heisman House, and the various commercials. But Caleb Williams, who was supposed to be the front-runner for the Heisman, decided, I'm not speaking to the media. You're an NFL fan. Would you take him on your NFL team? IU fans, come here, baby. Come here, baby. I'm going to give you a hug. We're going to get the sad out as Don't At Me on a Monday. Starts right now with Barry Sanders, the legend. Hey, welcome and good morning. Went 12-1 and 1 yesterday in gambling picks. I'll explain as we move through the day, but look. This is a broader issue than just Caleb Williams, a current Heisman Trophy winner, not speaking to the media. This is a broader issue on professional versus amateur, and our college athletes amateur right now? Look, the Chicago Bears yesterday under Matt Eberfluss just took a big dump in the bed because Matt Eberfluss and his Tampa 2 defense went soft. Next thing you know, Jared Goff picked him apart, and Dan Campbell lost his ever-loving mind. That kind of deal. All right, here's the thing, though. When you're in college and you're being paid, guess what? Do you have an obligation? Do you have an obligation to speak to the media after a big game? Now, look, I understand if I'm the sixth-team center. No, of course not. But when you're the quarterback of USC, fight, 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 fight on, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. USC quarterback is as high profile, particularly when you've just won the Heisman. And now all of a sudden, you get your brains beat out for not the first, not the second, but the third straight time. Third straight time, you get your brains beat out by your rival, USC. You've already cried on the sidelines. You've had a horrible year. Apparently, your team don't like you. They look like a dismantled mess. But you're a college athlete that's now making millions. Let me ask you guys. Are you to be treated like a pro? Are you to say, hey, look, this is just a student athlete. This is just a college kid. So Ian Rappaport on the rap sheet put this tweet out. And I'm curious about this. This fascinates me. Like, I'm tired of Caleb Williams. I've had enough of Caleb Williams. But Ian Rappaport made the connection from Joe Burrow speaking to the media when you are the face of a franchise. And he said this, Joe Burrow learned his season was over on Friday, understood his responsibility, went out, held a press conference, the job of a quarterback and the face of the franchise. Now, Ryan Cartier, he's a USC guy, Caleb Williams has elected not to speak to the media after the loss to USC, a USC spokesman said. Now, let me go. See, I understand one is a professional athlete, all right, but isn't the other a professional athlete too? I mean, isn't Caleb Williams a professional athlete? This is where I've always said you gotta be a little bit careful here. You do, you gotta be a little bit careful. The deal is simple you're being paid, you're a professional, you wanna be an employee. As an employee, you have an obligation. You're the face of football going into the season. Now, you're not now, it's been a disappointing season. You've cried to your mommy, you wanna hug with your dogs, but ladies and gentlemen, He's never, going to, he's never going to suit up in a USC uniform again. So as soon as that is over, is he a professional? I don't know, but it's a damn interesting thing to me. It really and truly is. It is a damn interesting thing because we want to treat these guys like kids. We do. We want to treat them like children. You know, when they get criticized, we want to say, well, they're just student athletes. You know what I mean? Ah, they're just student athletes. Okay, they're just student athletes. But the truth of the matter is they're paid employees. Maybe not the employee part, but they are paid. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like Caleb Williams is somebody you want on your team? Now, make no mistake. The measurables are going to be there, and he's going to be the first pick in the draft. People are going to criticize. I got a guy right now, Eric, says Caleb Williams is going to attitude himself out of the first round. No, he's not. No, he's really not. But what he's going to do is he may attitude himself into a better position. Somebody may be dumb enough or smart enough. That's the big question. Is it dumb to pass on a guy like Williams because of all this ancillary stuff, or is it smart? Remember, no ancillary stuff with even Mitch Trubisky. None. Uh, How'd that go? lot of stuff. A lot of stuff with different guys. But the truly great quarterbacks in the NFL, the truly great ones, there's no issues. No issues with Brady. Yeah, he deflated balls. Who cares? No issues with Manning. None. Zero. Zip. No issues with Mahomes. None. Zero. Zip. No issues with Lamar Jackson. Now, maybe you don't think Lamar Jackson's a top-tier quarterback, but there's no issues with him. There's no issues with Josh Allen. There's no issues with any but Joe Burrow. There's no issues with any of these guys, Aaron Rodgers, that you go across the board. There's none. And as I always say about athletes, when you look at athletes, ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand something. The great ones, there's no issues. None. Zero. Zip. I mean, name me one. Tom Brady, deflated balls, man, you're an idiot. Shut up. That's not an issue. I'm talking about there's no softness about him either. Andrew Luck. Now, you can think Andrew Luck was great. I personally thought he was really good, but his career was shortened by his own stupidity. No issues. None. Bryce Young, no issues. None. Kayla, uh, C.J. Stroud, no issues. Anthony Richardson, no issues. I mean, Levis, no issues. Now, I don't know if they're great or not, what remains to be seen, but I'll tell you this, C.J. Stroud's pretty damn good. No issues. Justin Fields, no issues. I mean, and now you got all this crap. And I don't know if these are real issues. I really don't. I mean, I don't know if they're real or made up, but they seem like it. They just seem like it. And you're talking about a guy that I have been told, he's the latest in the long line, of he is a generational quarterback. See how my brain goes dead? He's a generational quarterback. He's a guy that, guess what, is going to revolutionize. The greatest prospect since Elway. Just shut up with all that. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I ain't mad about being very, very careful very careful if I draft Caleb Williams. You know what I want out of a quarterback? A worker, a tough guy. I don't need soft. Soft doesn't win in any walk of life. It just doesn't. Soft is for kittens and puppies. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. I love my little puppy. Nah, soft don't work as a quarterback. I don't know if you noticed or not, and I know a lot of people say this, but quarterback going to get hit in the mouth a few times, you got to get up and you got to play. And you got to be the guy in the locker room every day. And you got to be the guy in the building. And you got to be the guy, Ba 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 blah. And if you're not, you're not. If you are, you are. And it doesn't seem like he is. It just doesn't. So we'll see. But he's not going to sad himself out, or he's not going to attitude himself out of the first round. May attitude himself out of the first pick in a draft. But he's a generational talent, right? Oh, the greatest since. Yeah, I don't know. I like my quarterbacks tough. I like my football players tough. I like my point guards tough. I like all of it tough. I like my women tough. I married two women, both tough. That's it. I like, my win- I like tough. I don't like my steak tough. I don't like my seafood tough. But, damn it, I like my football players tough. All right, I got to get into something early. It's really not a part of the script, but I got to talk about it. Yesterday, IU fans, you had a chance. You had a chance to make a statement. See that number 11 over to my, uh, what is it, my right shoulder? That means something to me. It does. And that's a. I didn't get my jersey and put it in a thing. They, they got that, and I like it. But I got to tell you, IU basketball means something to me. Always has, always will. I don't care that you're mad at me because I criticize people. I don't care. I don't care that you're mad because I don't fall in love with the coach every 10 seconds. I don't care that you're mad that every player in my world isn't the first player in the history of basketball to ever play in Indiana. I don't care about any of it. I don't want to hear about it. I'm very matter-of-fact, and it's been 20-some years since Indiana's been any good, 21 years since they went to an Elite Eight. So I want to hear about it. So yesterday, Indiana's got all these five-star recruits. You're playing against, yes, you're playing against an defending champs who lost a ton, including their leading scorer this year. And Indiana never had a chance in the game. Yeah, they could have cut it to five in the second half, but they were going to win the game. If you watch the game, they weren't going to win. And I'll tell you exactly why. <clears throat> You got a bunch of clowns playing. You got a a kiss ass staff. You got a bunch of assistant coaches that are cheerleaders and trying to appease. You don't have anybody there, including Woodson, that's going to kick them in the ass. You just don't. You have a bunch of overrated, entitled, four and five star guys. Now, Indiana's got a good team. And Indiana should get this figured out. There's enough talent there. But remember, I told you, Indiana fans, that Gabe Cups played well against Florida Gulf Coast. And Gabe Cups might just be a really good mid-major player. That's what the coaches need to see. That's how a coach thinks. Maybe he didn't play very well yesterday. Your senior point guard who has been on losing program after losing program, played 14 minutes, six-year senior. Indiana needs to grow the hell up. UConn, on the other hand, wow. UConn, on the other hand, looked like uh, Jim Calhoun's UConn. But they're Bobby Hurley's UConn, and they may be better. I mean, they lost all of these guys. They lost a dude named Hawkins who's tearing it up in the NBA. And they kicked Indiana's ass. I mean, kicked it. I mean, boot stomped it. It was 24. It ended up 20. It could have been 30 if Danny Hurley didn't call off the dogs. And Indiana did what they do. They quit. See, when you have coach that doesn't know the name of half of his players like Woodson doesn't, and you have assistants that don't know how to coach nothing other than kiss ass, you got no real shot. And as the great Reggie Jones, a good friend of mine, said, hey, how can you be disconnected from one another? How can you possibly be this early in the season? I don't have an answer for that other than you got a soft, ass-kissing staff, and you got a head coach that half the time don't know where the hell he is, and I'm sad about it. And if you want to get the sad out, yeah. And oh, by the way, the guy that got arrested in the Taco Bell that Duke didn't want, that Kansas marginally want, that Indiana fans thinks is the savior of the team, this kid Mbako. yeah, he got a bucket. Got one more basket than me yesterday. Got one more basket than a dead man. You know what? The fan sitting in the front row, the big fat-ass Indiana penny millionaire fan that paid a lot of money to go to New York City to see his Hoosiers, yeah, well, this kid, this five-star recruit that Duke didn't want, that got arrested at Taco Bell, that they're paying a ton of NIL money, Got a buck, got one more than the fat guy sitting in the front row. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm going to recap uh, the NFL and college football here in a minute. A uh, couple of things. Did you see this story? Did you see this story about NBA player Shea Gilgis Alexander? Did you see any of this? He is. Uh, He's trying to nullify the sale. This is unbelievable. Like, kids get into some crap. You know what? It, 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 kids get into some absolute serious crap. I'm going to read this to you. Shea Gilgis Alexander is apparently another long line of NBA guys that's great because he's had a few good years in a league that doesn't guard. So there is a mansion. There is a mansion that he bought. This guy bought a six-bedroom, eight-bathroom luxury home on Lake Ontario for $6.1 million without knowing about a past owner. According to a lawsuit, Gilgis Alexander, the home, belonged to Aiden Plakarski, a self-described crypto, crypto king who declared bankruptcy. He received millions of dollars entrusted to him to invest and ended up spending lavishly on himself. How about that? Right? So here's what the guy did. He had rented the home and received... Wait, wait, wait. Who allegedly received millions of dollars and trusted him to invest and spent lavishly on cars and vacation. He had rented the home and received frequent, angry visitors. Investors wanted their money back, who even was kidnapped. This is what makes the story great. The dude got kidnapped and held for ransom. None of this was known to Gilgis Alexander. He and his girlfriend moved in and met a dude knocking on the door... That wants a piece of Plotarski. Mr. Plotarski. Stealing points, stealing, stealing. Uh, The couple, Gilgis Alexander and his girlfriend, called the police. They learned about the history, the threats, and how people wanted to burn it down. They're trying to avoid the sale, Gilgis Alexander is. You got to fire your realtor. You got to make this realtor's name known. This is awesome. So, you got this house. It's a beautiful home. It's right on Lake Ontario. And all of a sudden, imagine this imagine all of a sudden these slaps are knocking on your door because some little pimply faced 20 something year old crypto king stole all their money. And they want a piece of you. And they don't care. Look at this face. Yeah, there's your zits. Look at this pump. Honest to God, so you're sitting there. Uh, hey man, I want my money. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey man, I want my money. Can you imagine? Like you don't know what's gonna happen. The sale shouldn't be voided. That guy's an idiot, and his realtor sucks. I got family that's realtors. My sister-in-law is the best realtor in Indianapolis, Roberta Dockage, for all your real needs. The Dockage team. Anyway, guess what? She'd tell you everything about the house. When we bought this house, she laid out everything. Everything. It's the best realtor in the world. Shea Gilgis Alexander. What, nobody's going to tell you? People are going to be knocking at your door? Yeah. All right. Okay. Guess what? You're an idiot are. I, I like Shea Gilgis Alexander. I do. I met him a couple times. Really nice kid. He's not an idiot. Made an idiotic deal. Sometimes you're young, dumb, and full of... Never mind. You guess, guess what? You pay $6.1 million for a crib because you got more money than you ever thought you'd have. You know you're going to make more money. $6.1 million you probably paid in cash. And you never thought to ask. Hey, man. Like, I was thinking about this the other night. If somebody came in my house, which somebody eventually will... And I'm going to shoot him, which probably will. I'm going to tell whoever the next owner is, look, someone came to my house and I shot him. You don't want the house? You don't want the house. When it's a house on a lake, you can get by with that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right, I'll shoot him. I, I am. If I, I never thought I'd say that, but if somebody breaks into my house with my wife and I here, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, And then I'll deal with it. I don't know what to tell you. I honestly don't. But you know what? If I'm Shea Gilgis Alexander... Man, oh man. But time heals, Shay. Ah, about a year from now, you'll be all right, if the house ain't blown up. Uh, What is Kyrie Irving doing here? Can somebody explain this to me? What's Kyrie Irving doing? I'm listening. I'm listening. I am listening. Kyrie Irving's the smartest guy in the world. You know he is. Ask him, he'll tell you. I mean, he's a genius. He'll tell you the earth is flat. Yeah, he well, he'll tell a uh, Australian basket Australian American basketball player they called him, Kyrie Irving, wears the Palestine? KFYE in in solidarity with the people of Palestine amid the ongoing Israeli genocide in Gaza." Is that unbelievable? I mean, seriously. I mean, is that unbelievable? I mean, why do people think, like Kyrie's dumbass, that you should involve yourself in this when you don't know? Like, why would you? Like, I get it, Hamas and Palestine, but what's going on to the Jewish people in this day and age is horrific. What's going on in our own country to the Jewish people? And this is very personal to me, as my sister-in-law and my nieces and my nephew are Jewish. And to watch what's going on to promote anti-Semitism, which is exactly what this idiot is doing, is ridiculous. He doesn't know jack squat about what's truly happening over there. He doesn't know anything, I mean zero, about what is happening to Jewish people in the United States. But you can see his smug, stupid ass is sitting up there like he's some freaking Buddha like he's some damn Mandela, Mandela, like he's Muhammad Ali. And it's bullshit that this clown thinks that he can get up there, make a statement, that is, and actually, and good for reporters. I don't even think a reporter even addressed, I don't think a reporter even said it. Because this idiot is so stupid, so vile, so awful, so ridiculous, that anybody that supports him in any way, shape, or form, is just as bad, in my opinion. Now, you all told me silence is complicit. Well, supporting this idiot, given what is going on in our country, not over there, our country, to Jewish people, is heinous, in my opinion. There is no bigger jackass in sports right now than Kyrie Irving. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh's not dangerous. Jim is just a jackass. But the fact of the matter is, if you think you're on the right side of being against Israel at this point in time, you're really stupid. You're bordering on evil. In fact, you may be evil. If you don't like what I'm saying, tough. But what I'm saying is true. 1,400 Jewish people were killed, mostly innocent, all innocent, in their homes. In their homes. If you want to know what's real, in this conflict, let me make a suggestion. Go to Traders Point Christian Church, download the app. And the smartest guy that I've ever heard talk is a man named Aaron Brockett. Aaron's the pastor of Traders Point Christian Church. And yesterday at the service, he gave an unbelievable history lesson on Hamas, Palestine, Israel. Unbelievable. I highly recommend it. Just give it a listen. And I got to tell you, If you think you're doing the right thing by supporting Palestine against Jewish people in our country, you're an asshole. That's all I can tell you. You're just a stone asshole. And guess what? Kyrie Irving's a stone asshole. I know I'm not supposed to swear on this. I know we can't monetize swearing. But this is so ridiculous, so idiotic, so out of hand that I wish, I wish we had the nutsack To not be afraid of being called a racist because you're saying Kyrie Irving's an idiot. I wish we had the nutsack in Dallas to say, I'm not supporting this guy. Now, I'll take all of you saying, well, you don't understand. No, I do understand. I do. No, I paid attention. I paid big attention. I paid attention to exactly what's going on in this country. I do. And guys are saying he put a towel on his head. What is happening to Jewish people in the United States, Sean Marby? They're being persecuted everywhere they turn. How about in Harvard, uh, John, our Marby dog? How about in Harvard, pro-Palestine groups brought towels, wrapped the Jewish kid up, beat him. know if they beat him, but whatever they did, it wasn't good. And it's happening all across the country. Don't even try it. Don't even try that crap with me. Uh, Gritty asked, would it be okay if someone sat there in a KKK hood? I mean, 1,400 Jewish people, the most since the Holocaust, were slaughtered in their homes. Videos sent to their family members as the slaughters. Children beheaded. Now, I don't give a damn whether you want to separate Palestine from Hamas. I get it. But Hamas was able to live in Palestine. And if you're not for the Jewish people in this, I got nothing for you. I get it. You all may think differently. You all may go a different direction. And I respect that. That's fine. But don't be out there as a public figure putting this freaking thing on, basically telling Jewish people in this country, stick it up your ass. It's ridiculous. But it's just another idiot. Just another dumbass entitled NBA player. What did I tell you the worst thing about the NBA being back is? You got to listen to these idiots. When when there's a game, you got an idiot wearing that. When there's a game, you got to listen to an idiot. Whether it's Steve Kerr, it ain't just the black guys, so stop stupid. Popovich talking out of their backsides, but you got to listen to these fools. And it's awful. Every day, awful. Listening to these jackasses. Man. Uh, They beat him. Now they didn't beat him. How will we recover? Let me ask you a question. So you're walking on a college campus, and this has happened probably what I've seen. I'll say closer to 50 times than that. Kids being taught. I mean, let me ask you, Marby dog. I know you're a real tough guy. I get it. But you're walking on a college campus. You're a Jewish kid. All of a sudden, a bunch of people surround you. Uh, wrap you in a freaking blanket so you can't get away. I don't know whether they beat him or not. Let me ask you something, Mike. Is that good? And I've seen at least 50 kids being attacked in some way. Is that good, Mike? I mean, you'd like that, huh? You'd like if that were your kid. Kid goes to college campus. College campus is supposed to be a place of free speech. But you're cool with that. All right, good for you, man. Good for you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. Yeah, all right. You're right. You're right, man. You're right. How will we recover? I don't know, man. How do you recover from that? How do you recover when your freedom on a college campus is stymied by a bunch of dumbasses wrapping you up in a blanket and just whatever you, who knows what they're going to do to you? And, yeah, Marby Dog, you tell me. You're the smart guy here. No, oh, how will they recover? You're so tough, Marby Dog, that you don't even put your real name on a damn chat. That's yeah, unbelievable. Nah, how will they recover? Yeah, I will, if that happened to you, I guarantee you'd be whining to the high heavens. It's like people say, "Well, well, what? Well, it's just stuff. No, it's my stuff, and I ain't living in fear. And I hate that kids, Jewish kids, Jewish men, Jewish women, all across the country have to live in fear, because the fear that they're living in is illustrated by 1,400 Jewish people being slaughtered in their house. But I know Marby, dog. You're a tough guy. Oh, I get it, man. I get it. You're exactly right, Connie. Colleges haven't been about free speech in forever. No, it just pisses me off. How will we recover? Yeah, you're just walking on a campus, going to class, Harvard. Hell, parents are proud. I don't know what you did to get in there, but you did well. All of a sudden, you get wrapped in a blanket by a bunch of people you don't know. And they ain't there to love on you. Hey, look. Susie Rottencrotch wraps me in a blanket in the middle of the afternoon, gets inside the blanket, it's going down, that's a good day. But Jackass, think about that for a second. Think about if you were the dad. I swear to God, if I was the dad, I'd be on Harvard's campus Fine. I didn't I didn't protect my kids in weird ways. But you do that crap. Now I gotta ha- I gotta step in. And I'm no tough guy. Oh, Dan Donkich is now Michael Rappaport. You got me. Yeah, you got me, jackass. Block that idiot. Jesus. I mean, it's just stupid. If you're you're for supporting that, you're an idiot. Uh, Let's go. College football this weekend. Best team in the country, without question, is Georgia. Like, we can talk about whomever. I told you that Michigan was going to take a little bit of a dumpage. Look, you can't go through what Michigan went through, is going through. I mean, Harbaugh came into college football cheating his brains out. He just did. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, we may not be about free speech here when you're when you're hiding behind a fake name and you're supporting kids being attacked on campuses and you have really no rebuttal. I don't even know who Michael Rappaport is. But anyway, uh, here's the deal. I told you Michigan was going to struggle, and they did. If Tungaloa's little brother doesn't choke up the ball early in the game, they're going to win. Michigan ended up winning. Isn't it ironic? Teams are starting to score points now, now that Connor Stallions is not on the team. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Now that they don't have their signals, isn't it interesting that the worst games J.J., uh, what's his name, McCarthy has had, is when he didn't know the defensive signals? Interesting. So now it sets up the big game, and Urban Meyer is going to join us at 940 on Wednesday. I cannot wait for that. But the fact of the matter is, Michigan did not look good. Michigan still is good. Ohio State is getting better. Their running game is coming back. The Henderson kid looks good. And it sets up a monster game. Monster game. In fact, we own a house, Lee and I did. We bought my mother-in-law's house after she passed in Ottawa Lakes, Michigan. I'm thinking about driving up there and just, I got to do some stuff at the house anyway. Staying there and then driving up and seeing if we can scalp a ticket. I wonder what they'd cost after the first quarter. You know what I'm saying? Huh. Might be fun. I hate this. I hate this because he's been on my Heisman Trophy list, but Jordan Travis, quarterback for Florida State, out for the year. What's going to be interesting here? Very, very interesting, as Sergeant Schultz says, or Colonel Clink. Uh, gonna be interesting what the pollsters do with Florida State. Look, when you lose a Heisman Trophy winner. Mm. Hey, speaking of getting the sad out, I'm going to jump around just a bit. I think this was the worst loss in Indiana football modern history. I want you to think about this. So Indiana has beaten Wisconsin. Indiana's at home. There's literally nobody there. It's senior night. There's nobody in the crowd. All right? They're playing Michigan State. Michigan State's the worst football team in the world. Michigan State's with an interim coach that when you hear him talk, you know, like, what is this guy? I'm sure he's a very nice guy. I don't even know which quarterback Michigan State's on. Michigan State rolls in to the Rock Memorial Stadium and beats Indiana's backside. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is what a depressing weekend for those of you that live and die by Indiana sports. Me, I live and die by the sack man, the sack attack. 9-0 yesterday. That's right. 9-0, oh, excuse me, 9-0 First round of the uh, NFL, 12-1 overall. How about that run? Woo! Why did I not put $100 on a nine-team parlay? Uh! But the sack attack is unbelievable. Remember, he gave us a win. He usually doesn't get the games together until right before the game. And I'll get a text. And then I'll put him in immediately without even looking at who they're playing. He'll say, like, Atlanta minus 14. I'm like, I'm in. I don't even look at who they're playing. The only thing I got to do is make sure I know the sport. And all I know is we got some seed money for the best week week in sports. That's right. Uh, Washington escaped. Washington is okay. Here's what it looks like to me, just me, and it could all change this weekend. But it looks like to me the four best teams in the country are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, whoever, and Alabama. That's what it looks like to me. Washington, I know they're going to get in there. Believe me, I do. I do. I know. I know. Oregon looks pretty good. I get it. I do. Michael Penix is probably going to win the Heisman. I think I think when it's all said and done, I think he'll win the Heisman. I think Bo Nix will be number two. But you know what? Big, big, big weekend. I don't think J.J. McCarthy has a chance, but I do think I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. has a chance coming up here on Saturday if he goes all Desmond Howard with different punt returns, kick. I don't even know. I'm just telling you. And then Bo Nix played great. He had a six-touchdown day. But guess what? It was events against Arizona State who's playing so bad. Me, Dylan, both Nix, Aaron, Gary, Clay, I think we could score 20 against them. 49-13, to 13 and Bo Nix went wild. Now there's seven touchdowns in there, pretty clean game. Seven touchdowns, seven extra points. Guess what? We scored 49 points. Bo Nix will come in second. I, I do think that Pennix probably, probably will win the Heisman. Am I sure about it? Not really. But when I look at the landscape of college football, one of the things that I see is they've started separating themselves. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia's the best, and Alabama's right there. They just are. All right, I got to talk about my man, Flus, My man, Eber of the Chicago Bears. I said it. I saw it. I hated it. Look, I had the Bears plus nine because that's what my boy, Saki, told me to do, and I just did it. The game was over until, did you see this? So, Bears are up two scores. They had a 95.5% chance of winning the football game against the Lions. 95.5. I'm going to say that again. Can I say that again? 95.5. I'm going to give you all these numbers. I wrote them down here. I wrote them down on my little phone so that you guys could could share in my wisdom. My boy David Kaplan of, of ESPN 1000, for the first time, listen to this, any team – in regulation with a plus three turnover margin and 40 minutes plus time of possession lost teams were 48 and zero prior to that 48 and zero. and the bears had four turnovers. The bears had over 40 minutes and almost, almost didn't cover plus nine. Matt Eberfluss, the coach, did what he does. He, honest to God, did what he does. He got into that outdated, ridiculous Tampa 2 asinine defense where you're backing up, backing up, backing up, keep them in front, back them up, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure, boom, touchdown. And then with like a minute, no timeout, the Bears are trying to come back, strip sack, ball in the end zone. Thank God Aiden Hutchinson wasn't able to fall on it, or else guess what? Guess what? The Bears wouldn't even covered nine. Listen to this. Eberflus right now is 6-22. He's up two scores late. Next thing you know, he's backing up. He's backing up. He's backing up. Next thing you know, game over. Woo! Hey, only two people in this world bet the Packers on the money line yesterday, and that was the sack man and dockage. Why did I bet it? Because the sack man told me. Sack man told me, I don't like this bet. I said I do. I tell you why. Chargers are that team. By that team, here's what I mean. I've told you this in basketball. They're not tough enough. They're good enough. So they'll play well for a while, and eventually it all crumbles. I played on a team like that. I did. My senior year at Indiana, we'd play team. And then next thing you know, Knight would take me out. That's what I say. And we would lose. I knew it was coming. I knew it. And then you listen to the coach after, and you're like, all right, Brandon Staley. All right. He acts like a little batch, talks like a little batch. I can't respect him. I need men that talk like men. I do. Anyway, it was the best bet of the weekend. The sack man put it out to me. Take the money line, the Packers, and look. Jordan Love did just enough. But, man, are they wasting Justin Herbert in San Diego. Wow. Uh, C.J. Stroud is just the best quarterback maybe in football right now, maybe the hottest. And the the Texans are going to go to the playoffs. Five and four. I'm the guy that said I didn't like C.J. Stroud's eyes. I'll give this to you. I was wrong. Definitely wrong. Uh, Was talking to some guys the other day in the NFL, and they're like, look, that dude don't care. That dude's just slinging it. He's got D'Amico Rines as a head coach, and one of the guys in the NFL told me it's like two guys that don't know what they don't know and don't care about what they don't know. They're just balling, and I was digging it. Hey, I'll tell you who else the sack man gave me. He gave me the Giants. Who gives you the Giants? Serious question. Tommy DeVito, not Danny DeVito. Tommy DeVito, who I watched at Syracuse, watched at Illinois, living in his parents' basement, goes bat-blank crazy. Now, look, the world was on fire today because the announcers called the commanders the Redskins. Who cares? All I know is this. You got to get rid of Riverboat Ron. And the sack man rules. All right. The worst team I saw, and this is, well, I forgot about it. Yes, the Rams. The Rams got her done. The Rams came back. The Rams came back because the Rams come back. And they got it done against another sack man. We thought we were dead. But I want to get, the Rams came back and won 17. But I got to get to the Bills and the Jets. Look, you and I watch football. We all watch football. So I'm watching the Bills and the Jets. This is the one game the sack man lost. He went 12-1 yesterday on top of like 9-2 on Saturday. We're going to have a Merry Thanksgiving and a Happy Christmas. Anyway, so I'm watching the Jets. And a friend of mine texts me, oh, you watching the Jets? Yeah. Worst team you've ever seen offensively? Yeah. Yes. If you want to see the worst team you'll ever see in the NFL, don't do this. Take my word for it. The New York football Jets, that offensive line is Swiss cheese. The quarterback, you can blame it on Zach Wilson all you want, and by the way, he stinks. But the truth of the matter is I've never seen anything like Garrett Wilson, who's a big mouth wide receiver because, well, that seems redundant. Couldn't catch Cole. Wilson couldn't find anybody. Finally, they benched for, like, Tim Boyle or Tim Doyle. Timmy D used to come on the show. But anyway, this guy throws a couple more picks. It was the worst. And what did I tell you about Robert Sala? What did I tell you? What did I tell you? When you're reading off of a teleprompter to talk to your team instead of doing it from the heart, you can't coach blind turkeys to take a dump. And I told you this about Robert Sala, like I told you this about Frank Reich, these guys suck. They're football products. They're, well, Frank Reich's a little different because he, uh, he played. But this guy Sala, no wonder he was parking cars for, uh, what's his face, Brian Kelly, when Kelly was the head coach at Notre Dame and Sala was his uh, minion. Should be, par- should be parking cars now. That guy has that goofy, lost look on his face. Can't coach blind turkeys to take a dump. Can't develop an offense. Has nothing going on in his team. Idiots are yelling and screaming all over the place. How about that? And don't at me about it, people, because I'm spitting facts here. But I'm telling you, I swear to God. Now, the Bills may be good. The Bills may be back. they got a new offensive coordinator, Joe, Joe, uh, what's-his-face, Brady. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. They may be the best football team in the country. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't. But one thing I do know is the Jets stink, like they stink till Tuesday. To quote the great Carlos Zambrano, they stinks. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, let's go. We got like 500 people, we got like 500 people on this. Hit the like button. Oh yeah, you're right, San Diego doesn't have a team, Connie. Los Angeles, Chargers, you know, I'm old, what are you going to do? I never seen a worse team in my life than the Jets offensively. So there are two things that I'm going to say. One, the 85 Bears are the best football team I've ever seen defensively, and the 2023 Jets are the worst team I've ever seen offensively. All right, when we come back, I got some emails from you folk. I do. Who's your top four? I gave you my top four. You can put them any way you want right now because they're probably all going to play each other. Georgia, Alabama, uh, what's it called and what's it called, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference? Indiana, folks, I don't know what to tell you. You got Louisville today. You caught a break. Texas hit a tough shot. So you play Louisville, arguably the worst Power 5, Division 1, whatever team in the country, coached by the worst coach in America, Kenny Payne. So Indiana will get a win today, and your toes will be tapping, you'll be all excited because you beat Louisville. Now this ain't 2013 Louisville. Get the sad out, Indiana fans. I'm here for you. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, about this time of day, we usually have a guest or we go to viewer emails. By the way, the guests are outstanding today. Michelle Tafoya is going to join us coming up at, I believe, 10 o'clock and then at 1030. The great Hall of Famer, Barry Sanders joins. Can't wait to talk to, uh, you know, a lot of people think he's the greatest running back. Some people think Jim Brown. Some people think Walter Payton. Some people think O.J. Simpson pre-murder. I don't know what to tell you. Everybody, he's in that category, certainly. But anyway, let's go to... Emails bumping about let's go. Dan, last week on the heels of Hogsett Indy's mayor re-election, Indy surpassed 200 homicides for the third straight year. Making progress is what Hogsett said, as this is down from the prior record breaking years, 245, 272. As I read through a few articles from the past week, I can't help but hear the chance for four more years from the post-election celebration. I know. Beside any candidate carries weight on urban ballots, but at this point, maybe four more years, is what it'll take for this city of slow learners to take notice. Side note, of those 200 homicides, I believe the number is over 30 this year as far as children under 18. That number has increased and is a record. So if Indy Mayor Hogsett counts the increased killing of children as progress, that's what he's enabled and apparently proud of John Buzzard. You are one of my favorites. You're exactly right. We kill kids in Indy. It's an epidemic. And then we uh, get mad at the police. That's what we do. Seriously, the Indy Star writes about why are there more police shootings this year? Well, because people are shooting at the police. Idiots. I had a nice chat with a cop the other day. I said, "Hey man, I was sitting in a stoplight over at this school and Beverly, and he was, you know, directing traffic, and he happened to be taking a break. Okay, hey, man, I got to tell you, I appreciate." What you guys do. He looked at me. He goes, hey, Dan, I got, you know what? You guys, every day, you catch shit. And he's like, yeah, it's every day, every direction, too. Where I live, it's getting bad. It is. It's getting bad. Now, there's gunshots about a block and a half away. We had a break-in or at least attempted break-in next door. Cars broke. Yeah, it's getting bad. So I got a gun. I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell you. Hey, Dan, it's from Sean Black. Hey, Dan, with how slow the NCAA normally moves in their investigation, And given how Michigan does not want to meet in court, is telling, as I feel, they don't want certain information. Oh, boy, you ain't right. Wait, with how slow the NCAA normally moves in their investigation, given the unusual nature of this Michigan scandal, do you think the NCAA needs to expedite their process for this case? Given how Michigan does not want to meet in court, it's telling, as I feel, they don't want certain information to be made public. What are your thoughts on how severe do you think the punishment ends up being for Michigan? It's a great question. Let me throw this out to you. If I'm the NCAA, here's what I'm also pissed off at. I did not realize this. Did you know that that Sharon Moore, the interim head coach, who took over for Jim Harbaugh, was suspended earlier in the season one game for cheating? Now I want you to think about that just for a second. So you suspended the cheater with a replacement Of a cheater. That's unprecedented. Now, I understand you got to go diversity. I understand, you know, you don't want people mad at you for lack of diversity. But I just want you to think about this. Just think about this for a second. See, people ask me, why were you made the head coach at Indiana in 2008 over guys that had been there? Well, the guys that had been there, his names were in the NCAA investigation. Now, one of them, Jeff Meyer, didn't do nothing. The other, Ray McCollum, absolutely did. So they couldn't make those guys the head coach. So they made me. Because in the eyes of the NCAA, I'm lily white, and I am. Never cheated one time in my entire life. You can get mad at me for all the stuff you want to get mad at me, the fake stuff, but that's a fact, Jack. So Michigan did the opposite. Michigan looked around and said, look, we got this problem, Harbaugh's a cheat, and we got to suspend him three games. We got this other problem. Who the hell are we gonna hire? And we gotta make a diversity, right? I mean, that's what you gotta do. You gotta make a diversity. You can't just make it, you know. So they hire, so they make this guy the interim head coach, Sharon White. Well, guess what? Uh, he's cheat too. So you replace the cheat with a cheat. Jim Harbaugh. Cheating. Right when he came into college, let me go through. He had a signing date, which was illegal against the rules when he came in. Signing with the Stars, he brought all former Michigan players back with with recruits, couldn't do that, illegal. That's when he first got there. Ran all these satellite camps, pushing the rules, illegal. Spring practice, IMG Academy. Spring trips overseas. He he brought his team to see the Pope, but the only pictures you saw were Harbaugh with the Pope. He hired this dirtbag. Did you know this? So this dirtbag guy, high school coach named Chris Partridge, So Chris Partridge was a high school coach, uh, Paramus, Paramus Catholic, Jersey. He was buying players, getting players, including Jabril Preppers and Rashawn Gary. He was pimping himself out to high school coach or college coaches wanting a job. Guess who hired him as his director of ops? You guessed it. Jim Harbaugh. Okay. When you lie with whores, you wake up with whores. Guess what? Let's fast forward. Yeah, Jabril Peppers came. Yeah, Rashawn Gary came. Guess what? Never beat Urban Meyer with either of those two. And here's what happened. Do you know who the coach was that got fired the other day for destroying evidence and telling players to lie? You got it. Chris Partridge, the dirtbag from Paramus Central High School. He also hired this guy Biff Pogie. See, Biff Pogie was a millionaire, decided to get into coaching. He's a fast-talking salesman guy. Well, Biff Pogey bankrolled trips. His assistant coach, he bankrolled somehow recruits came under Biff Pogey. And I ain't even been talking about climbing the trees, sleeping over with recruits. And, of course, the NCAA, too many coaches on the field, NCAA illegal videotaping workouts, lying to the NCAA, which Michigan had to self impose a three-game suspension. He hit a gun charge against Maisie Smith, allowing the player to play. He had a staff member fired for cybercrime, Matt Weiss. The FBI is still investigating. I had to put these all down on my phone. He had a staff member arrested for soliciting a 13-year-old girl he hired a racist, Shemmy Shem Beckler, and fired him. Sign stealing scandal. Two staff members fired so far. One and six in bowl games. Two and five against Ohio State, and repeatedly misled Michigan, and interviewed for NCAA jobs. But you know what? And I do agree with this. It all goes away if they beat uh, if they beat Ohio State this year. And by the way, President Oh No, back baby, bet. Where are you with that big extension you were giving Harbaugh? Did you know that President, Ono, oh the president of Michigan deleted his bet tweet, which was like, stick it up your backside to the Big Ten and the NCAA? Only Michigan, man. Only Michigan. Hey, back to crime in Indianapolis. Reverend Dr. Charles Harrison, good dude, was mentioned by Jason Hammer on your show. All right, last week. He's an excellent follow. Had some wise words uh, below via X. I call my clergy colleagues and community leaders to be more balanced when addressing the recent surge in police action shootings. We cannot try to hold IMPD accountable for shootings if we're not also holding accountable those that fail to obey the commands of police officers. In my opinion, the unbalanced approach in addressing police action shootings, when all of our criticism is towards IMPD officers, only encourages others in the community to be more confrontational with officers, which leads to conflict and sometimes violence. I'd assume he'd say the same thing about an IU basketball player refusing to leave Taco Bell. Now, I'm with you, brother. I don't know what to tell you, man. In Indianapolis, the Indy Star, you know our friends at the Indy Star, that little twerp coward Greg Doyle and all of his minions. They're all in on why we got so many police shootings. What we should say is that we're giving carte blanche to police to do some shootings over a 36-hour period. No, we shouldn't, but it ain't a bad idea. I mean, you gotta be reasonable, but we can, it's out of control here in Indy. All you gotta do, you want a good following Indy? Angela Ganote is a news anchor at the Fox Channel here. She's awesome. Cheerleader at IU. Every day, every day, someone's being killed. Police ought to have more freedom. They should. Not less freedom. I not only think we should fund the police, I think we should fund the police like it's our job to fund the police. I mean, fund the hell out of the police. Give them more resources. Give them better pay. I'll pay taxes for that. I sure don't want to have to pay taxes to send money over to Ukraine or to pay for Gay Lesbian Day or whatever the hell I'm paying my taxes for. I don't need that crap in my life and neither do you. Man, Serious. Who needs that? Hey, it's Gay Pride Week. Yeah, I don't care. I want my tax dollars to go to funding police. That's what I want my stuff to go to. I don't want my tax dollars going to whether or not somebody with purple hair, nose rings, and a fat ass tells me how awful we all are because we, we're, we're, silence is complicit in our gay community. I don't care. I don't care who you're having sex with. I never have. I never will. I don't walk around telling you, well, I would if it was like, you know, and i told a lot of people that I was you know in love with Lee Ross but I didn't tell him about the sex Greg Doyle did that Greg Doyle in his affairs told me how uh, one married woman that he was having an affair would like her hair pulled and you guys he's one of the 250 leaders in Indianapolis. God bless you All right, ladies and gentlemen Michelle Tafoya is coming up Barry Sanders is coming up. Let's review something. I got to go back to a question that I asked earlier today. I don't know why I'm shuffling papers. I feel like John Drury in the Channel 9 News in Chicago. But I got to ask you a question. So Indiana players play like crap. Indiana players are making a lot of money in NIL. Let me ask you a question. If this were your business, would you not fire them, because you can't really fire them. I mean, I want to make an analogy... That's uh, relevant. And I wrote this down yesterday. You don't fight, I'm, I'm firing. No, you're not doing that. But would you lower payment? Would you say, look, pay you a lot of money to do a job? You're not doing the job. Now, this is a performance based thing name, image, likeness. So, do you think that that McKenzie, I think his name, Mbako, that got arrested? in a Taco Bell, helps his name, image, likeness? Do you think the fact that he's got like one bucket all year helps his name, image, likeness? See, I don't, and it's not just him. Do you think Caleb Williams, name, image, and likeness, has been on the upswing this year? I'm not talking about next year. He got paid, or last year. He got paid for last year. He's going to get paid for next year. You know, if you're not performing, I guess my point is, should you have your salary not reduced, just like, look, this is name, image, and likeness. See, Indiana, this is what Indiana did. Indiana sent me, and all former players, and I'm sure they do this at every school, the opportunity in an email from Mike Woodson to get in Indiana, which means give money to their NIL collective. I looked at this, and I wrote them back. I said, after the crap we've watched for the last two and a half years, you're asking us to pay for it? Here's what NIL really is. This is what Mike Woodson did at Indiana, according to my source. When a kid named Jalen Hood Shafino needed more money, his people needed more money, Woodson went to the collective, allegedly, and said, hey, we need $100,000 for Shafino's people. So wait a second. I'm supposed to give money to Indiana basketball so they, they can give it to a recruit's people? Because let's be honest, if you're giving it to the kid, you're giving it to the people. Now, does that make sense to you? Do I want these goofs that are in these collective you already seen one at Michigan get called out and kicked out of it because he's, I guess, funding this. Indiana guys, you see these guys acting like idiots, this Hoosier, whatever, the hystericals. Do you want them handling your money, them deciding where the money goes? I don't think you do. That's the crazy thing about this NIL. It's not NIL. If it was name, image, and likeness, Caleb Williams' is here, they got change coming because I'm here and he's making close to $2 million. I, it's an interesting debate. I understand we're supposed to pucker these lips and kiss the backside of college students. I'm not really down with that. I didn't need it when I was a player. I mean, I didn't know – most of the players that I know love playing college basketball. I had a blast playing college basketball. I loved the scholarship they were on. I loved the fact that I got them summer jobs and they made a ton of money. But it's interesting. Name, image, likeness. Huh. Okay. Hey, we got NFL coaches that I'm getting ready to fire. I'm sorry. I'm getting ready to fire. I'm going to see if Michelle Tafoya and you – I'm going to the YouTube chat right now – Join me there. Go to OutKick's YouTube page, and you'll see our show, Don't At Me. Go there right now. I'm going to join in and see what's going on. Sack man, you rule. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick Network. Michelle Tafoya is awesome. That's all I'm going to say. That should be the name of her podcast. Instead, it's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Wow. It should just
2: simply be. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Uh, I mean, that's hey. very nice. I think there would be some who might disagree. You know, some in my own house might disagree. <laughs> good. See, yeah, I'm, gonna, right, I'm right.
1: just going to point out. I'm going to point out the difference in a pro and me. I'm looking at what I'm wearing, and it doesn't go with the background. It just doesn't. I'm I'm struggling with that. I need brighter colors, right? You know, I'm looking at you. You got the blue in the back. Uh, I think that's red. I'm a little colorblind. I I need to. It is red. Hey, Dylan, mark this down. I need to up my game. (laughs) Maybe you can get a wardrobe sponsor. Yes. I did when I had a radio show, which seemed weird to me, right? Like a radio show uh, suit sponsor. What was that? Yeah, wow. But, hey. No,
2: Well, maybe the mm. listeners were just imagining you in a really nice suit, you know, <laughs> even though you were sitting there in sweats yeah. or pajamas.
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, I got to ask you, Michigan season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world will be happy of Michigan if and maybe when they beat Ohio State. Uh, is this
2: season have any kind of asterisk, any kind of taint on it? I think it does, but I was thinking about this in the big picture. I covered the Patriots all during Deflate Deflategate. Uh, we remember uh, Bounty Gate with the Saints, right? We remember Spygate with the Patriots. But here we are, years later, and what people remember about the Patriots is how many Super Bowls they won. And I think you could say the same with the Saints. Now, people who were involved in some of those games harbor ill will and consider the asterisk and all, but I, you know what? The Patriots still won the Super Bowl that year of, of Deflate Gate. And so, yeah, you know what, if Michigan wins a national championship, people tend to be a little bit more, more sentimental, maybe a little bit more um, passionate about the college game. And so, yeah, I, I think it might have an asterisk, but I'll tell you what, if they win and get all to, to the victor come the spoils, uh, they're, not, they're not really going to care at Michigan, I don't think.
1: That, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know what, we all get tied up. Do you think people uh, have Michigan fatigue? You think they don't care anymore? Not people in,
2: in Michigan, <laughs> you mean, what?
1: don't care about the I mean the whole about the story. scandal, like the, yeah, yeah, the scandal, you know all the sadly, cheating, all the stuff.
2: Dan, I want to tell you this, sadly, sadly, there's so much scandal and cheating at every level of American society right now that I think it's, it's, there's so much fatigue that people are like, yeah, they all do it, whatever. That That's kind of where I think when you talk about fatigue over this story, I think we're all fatigued by how much people get away with on a daily basis in every profession in America, let alone across the world. So it's 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 a sad state of affairs. I think it's really sad. I I prefer when people are held accountable, when institutions and schools are held accountable. Uh, I I just don't know that that this one is going to happen. I mean, you know, it used to be that something like this could get your your entire team on have the have the season expelled but i i don't think that's going to happen here
1: no i i don't either and i think you're so right about fatigue all across the board like how many times can you see joe biden stumble bumble fumble how many things can you read where he's lying about i was brought up in the puerto rican black white christian denominational i mean <laughs> you're exactly right it doesn't matter i mean yeah yeah no you're you're exact i tell you what i didn't like I'm going to tell you this because I was fortunate enough for 10 years to call basically the biggest game uh, of the week on ESPN on Tuesday nights, uh, Super Tuesday Big Ten game. And I worked with pros. I worked with, uh, excuse me, Sam Ponder. I I worked with Allison Williams. I worked uh, with Molly McGrath. I worked with Chris Bunn. I worked with pros. And I, I saw what. Um Clarissa Thompson said, and I thought to myself as soon as I saw it, and I didn't see any reaction until after, and I thought, that's not good. That's not who the women that I worked with did. Yeah. You did that for a long or- time. Give me your thoughts on Clarissa Thompson saying she mismade stuff up occasionally.
2: I was really disappointed. You know, I know Carissa a little bit, and I, I was really saddened by this. I didn't think necessarily that, wow, this hurts my reputation. I'm, I'm no longer doing it. I communicated with Leslie Visser over the weekend as well. but And, and some other very prominent writers, I will say. Um, I'm going to leave them nameless because they didn't give me permission. But Leslie posted her feelings about this. Some writers have stayed anonymous, but are male writers who are ticked off, who say, you cannot do this. You can't do this. So this has less to do with... The person and more to do with the behavior and what she did. And then claiming I didn't do what I said I did, which was even more confusing. And then this is where I get back to I was going to mention this to you, Dan, when I said accountability and people tired of all the scandals and people getting away with stuff. This falls right in there. And I was amazed at how quickly people like me became the villain, other sports reporters became the villain for calling it out and saying this is unacceptable. Suddenly, uh, people were writing, hey, you know, you're not really Woodward and Bernstein here. Don't take yourself so seriously. It's not that we take ourselves seriously, but what we do and what we've worked so flipping hard to do for, for so many decades and do it well and do it the right way. And, you know, people say, sideline reporters, they, yeah, this is what they're, they're, it's just a worthless role. Yeah, I, I could give you plenty of moments where it was the most valuable role on the field for us at Monday night or Sunday night football. So, and that's not to toot my own horn. That's to say that when you're on the field and you have access to stuff that the announcers in the booth don't have, um, you become very, very valuable. So, and it depends how you do your job. If you do it and you make stuff up. Yeah. It's not that valuable a position, but if you dig and you get the right stuff, it can be very valuable. You know what I think
1: happens? And this isn't just women, this is men. I think I think you get to a point where, like I knew Clarissa back at the Big Ten Network. She's very humble, trying to work her way up. And then I, she came into ESPN when I was doing a NCAA selection show, she was dating Jay Williams. She came in with him, and it was a totally different person. And I'm sitting there going, huh, okay. I think people get too comfortable in their role with popularity. I've always said this about politicians. Politicians and sports writers were always the dorky (laughs) little kid. Then all of a sudden they get very popular. You know, they they have people coming at them, whether it's of, of the opposite sex, whether it's free stuff, and they don't know how to handle it. Like a lot of sports guys, like I was in the public eye in the state of Indiana when I was 17 years old playing in the state finals. I mean, people said good things, bad things. So you get used to handling it. But when it comes to you later in life, you don't get to. It. And I think she tried to be one of the cool kids and acts like something she probably is not. But she had to act a certain way. I, that's the way I kind of saw it. And it's sad to me.
2: Well, you know, I doubt she was ever among the dorky little kids. I just look, take one look at her, and I think she was probably always pretty popular. She's a beautiful Probably woman. right. Uh, and she, probably right. And she's talented. You know, she is a talent. Uh, however, the, it is, there is a lot that comes with, being in the spotlight, being in the public eye, dating somebody famous, whatever it is. And then you go on a podcast like the one that she went on last week and spilled the beans for the second time and said, I didn't get fired the first time, so I'll say it a second time. The fact that she acknowledged, Dan, I didn't get fired the first time suggests to me that she knew this maybe was a fireable offense. And and so then she said it a second time because she's in a position now between Fox and Amazon, where she's she's in a great spot and probably feels very secure. You know who owns Amazon? Jeff Bezos, Bezos, however you want to say. He also owns The Washington Post, doesn't he? This bastion of journalistic integrity. So I I just I wonder what the standards are or if, again, standards are evenly applied.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, all you idiots out there that are saying sideline reporters don't matter, I'm going to tell you one thing, one thing. When I did a game and there was a sideline reporter, it was a bigger game. Let's put it to you that way. It was it was a bigger it was a bigger event. It was more of an event. It was it was. And I remember when I was the head coach at Indiana, coming off beating Ohio State, and uh, Aaron Andrews was interviewing me, and I remember this is a big game. It just is. It makes the event bigger. And, you know, not, well, not only the information, which is huge. I mean, I get all that. I mean, but idiots that say it doesn't matter just haven't, don't understand. It mattered a lot to me and Mike Tirico sitting on the sideline of a Tuesday night Big Ten game to have Sam Ponder or Ellison Williams there getting us great information as opposed to not having it. It added the broadcast 100-fold, and people kissed my ass with that stuff.
2: I'll tell you else when it when it matters. And again, this is not to toot my horn. This is to give an example of when it was critical. Gary Kubiak was the head coach of the Houston Texans when he collapsed at halftime. We didn't know if he had a heart attack, a stroke. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. But I covered that story from the second it happened throughout the remainder of the game. It was one of the biggest stories I've ever covered in my life. And it was not a sports story at that point. This was a life or death a head coach of an nfl team there were so many point parts of that story first of all was he alive or was he dead honestly that was something bob costas al chris all of us standing over this moment weren't sure about number two who's gonna coach now number three yeah, what does this say about the future how do how does the team stay together so there was a, a sports element but really it was emotional it was psychological it was physical and it was medical and um it, we couldn't have done the job we did as a team unless my two feet were on the field
1: yeah, that is exactly right i mean you know and and you know i get it i i get it every i don't know every meathead bag of a guy who wants to be crit- I I hate what's going on with women. like I think I've told you my wife's a legend in the world of softball coach player, Olympic alternate, my stepdaughter play. it just drives me nuts. Every time a woman does something some idiot starts talking. and I think what Clarissa Thompson did was bad and and really I think most people would have been fired I don't know, maybe not fired. Uh, but I, I I just don't think sometimes people understand in a position like Carissa Thompson, I'm talking about two different things here, how much they hurt others that came before them. Instead of honoring the position, you try to cheapen the position by making yourself cool, and that pisses me off. Sorry for my language.
2: Uh, you can use that language around me anytime you want. I was a little pissed off, too. I know a lot of people who were a little pissed off.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to say I didn't do it, that's like Charles Barkley got misquoted in his own book.
2: Uh, you know. Yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, that's, you know, yeah, no, all right. right. And I remember, I I, 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 sorry, I remember Hillary Clinton going on and on about the war on women. I've never seen a war on women like I'm seeing right now with, you know, women's losing opportunities in sports and then having uh, all female sideline reporters lumped into this one, you're useless sort of category by these dopes that don't really get it. Anyway, enough said.
1: Greatest Halloween costume I saw was with Riley Gaines and her husband. Riley went as Riley Gaines, and her husband went as Leah Thomas. It was unbelievable. It was just (laughs) unbelievable. It was just, (laughs) we were in a Halloween party. (laughs) Hey, tell me about the documentary coming up, Triangle Park. We talked about it the last time. What's going on with it? When is it coming?
2: Well, this Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve, what a better way to start your Thanksgiving weekend than seeing Triangle Park. It's airing in all 32 NFL cities. Actually, there are 30 NFL cities because, you know, New York has two teams. L.A. has two teams. Uh, L.A. has one and a half. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's another story altogether. Um, But right now, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., AMC Theater. So if you live in an NFL city, go find out which one. There's There's a theater in every NFL city where you can see Triangle Park. It is the documentary that gives you the history of the first ever NFL game, 1920. And you ask people who was in it, most people can't tell you. But you'll learn about all of it, about, about the era. And, and the really cool thing about it is the people who participated with us, from Cooper Cuff to Chris Collinsworth, from Sean McVeigh to Eric Dickerson, from Ben Roethlisberger to Larry Fitzgerald, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Susie Calber. I get to narrate the thing. Uh, is just so much fun, and it really does dig deep into this, this moment in time in America and who these people were, how they got there, where they went from there, We talk to descendants of their, you know, their families. Uh, It's great stuff. I hope people will go see it on the 22nd of November, 7 p.m., AMC Theater in NFL Cities.
1: There you go. NFL Cities, AMC Theaters on the 22nd. It's going to be great. I love the old NFL. I just saw a picture the other day of Joe Namath throwing a pass. I think he would have been in the AFL at the time before the merger, and there's like Mm -hmm. a high school stadium with like nobody in it and then you look last night and there's fireworks going off there the history yeah. of the nfl is really fascinating it really yeah i can't wait to watch this it's gonna be good
2: really. yeah and, and when you think it started in a park in dayton ohio right where it is now who would have thunk you know who would have thunk It's unbelievable michelle
1: thank you have a wonderful thanksgiving thanks for your time can't wait to watch triangle triangle park
2: thanks thanks so much happy thanksgiving have a good one dan that's the great Michelle
1: Tafoya. I, she's right. I mean, look, the, the Triangle Park's going to be terrific. Every time you go watch one of those, you're like, wow. Like, you're like, huh, that's pretty cool. I mean, if you're an NFL fan, which we all are, let's be honest, you go watch that on, on the 22nd, you're going to have a blast. You're going to walk out and go, man, I learned something. I didn't know this. That's uh, pretty cool. Those things are great. And I guarantee if Michelle is involved, It is absolutely fantastic, I will promise you that. AMC Theatres, November 22nd, which is Wednesday, and there it is, Triangle Park. Can't wait. All right, let's get into some stock up and stock down. Stock up. Look, let's be honest. When you are all in on the NFL and you spend all day watching the NFL, you know what happens? you see a lot of great performances. You just do, I'm sorry, you just do. The truth of the matter is there are only, well, how many guys that are truly electric? Like truly, like when Tyreek Hill has the football, I pay attention, stock up, Tyreek Hill. Look, Tyreek Hill got hurt. Tyreek Hill left the game. Tyreek Hill came back in the game. Tyree Kill kicked everybody's backside. He had a hand injury. He was hurt. Next thing you know, he's banged up. He's banged up. Comes back in and does Tyree Kill kind of stuff. The thing you've got to understand about Tyree Kill is this. He's this guy. He, he's he's he got the ball. What's he going to do? He, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. What's he going to do? Uh, he, 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 So all he did yesterday, I don't know if this is any good. It seems like it is. With a hurt hand, 10 catches, 148 yards, a touchdown. I mean, seriously. Dude got hurt. Halftime came back out. Really, you can make the argument that he led. He did. He led, ladies and gentlemen. The Miami Dolphins over the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, Bo Nix had six touchdowns. Jeez. I don't know. I mean, I get it. Uh, Bo Nix is going to have the chance to win. Bo Nix is going to have a chance to win a Heisman. I just don't know that he is going to. I just don't think that he is going to. I know a lot of people say he should. Okay, he should. And he just had six touchdowns, but he I don't know. He did it against Arizona State, who's playing really bad. Oregon, Washington, let's play it again. Let's see what happens. I don't know, man, but he is really, really good. And nobody's playing better other than Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels of LSU is playing lights out football. Don't at me about it. He's my number one pick. But damn, Bo Nix is right there. I think Penix is gonna win the highs. I do. I think I but damn, he's playing good. All right, all right, I'm gonna give it to you. Indiana fans, let's get the sad out. Let's just get it all out. Indiana football had arguably the worst loss they've ever had in the Tom Allen era. Let's go that route. Can we go that route? I mean, it was such a bad loss that you lost to an interim head coach at home. I don't know what string this quarterback was that was playing for him. You talk about players not playing for anything. Michigan State players are not playing for squat. Indianas aren't either, but, hey, they're at home. It's senior day, and they got their ass beat. They didn't get their ass beat. They got beat. And any beating is a beating is a beating. But that's not the worst thing in the world of Indiana basketball that happened this weekend. You know what happened this weekend on Sunday? Maybe a lot of you didn't pay attention to it, but I did because, well, I'm an Indiana alum. Can't you see over my right shoulder what's going on here? I got my jersey. I got Big Ten championship trophies. I got my king. I'm one of only two players in the Bob era to ever be a team captain. Indiana fans absolutely hate me because, well, frankly, uh, I don't like when they lose. Indiana fans like when they lose. They played the defending national champions. Everybody was excited. It was in New York City. It was in the Garden. Mike Woodson was the coach. We're all happy. And they got their ass kicked by Tristan Newton. Tristan Newton. Tristan Newton had 23 points. 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Tristan Newton kicked the crap out of Indiana. He just kicked the absolute garbage out of IU. UConn won. I think they won by 20. They were up by 24. But this kid, Tristan Newton, I'm watching him going, yeah. All right. He's doing what a fifth-year senior should do. He averaged 10 points a game last year. Now he's averaging 17. All right. Played on the, uh, all right, all right, all right, enough. Indiana fans, gritty, get the sad out. Get the sad out. Indiana sports over the weekend got their brains beat out. I love the soccer team one, which is big in Indiana, because we got a great soccer program, historically great under the Yagleys. But I got to tell you, Tristan Newton et al. silenced a pretty big crowd in Madison Square Garden in front of many red-clad, fat penny millionaires that drove out, flew out, whatever, out from Indiana to see and a bunch of arrogant alums that played in New, uh, from New York that came to IU to go to undergrad and ruin the city. Indiana got belly Stock down. Brandon Staley and Frank Rock. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I go by who would I play for. I would not play for Brandon Staley. I got to play for adult males with penises. I got to play with adult males that can get up there and have some satchel. Every time I hear Brandon Staley talk, I think of some little wimpy dude that's looking at some notes and becomes a football coach. I don't like it at all. I wouldn't play for him. Frank Reich probably would, great guy. They're both probably great guys. But Frank Reich has absolutely nothing going on as a coach. He didn't when he was in Indianapolis. He didn't when he was fired. He didn't when he was hired. And he does it now that he's working. I mean, he was sitting out and he had nothing as a football coach. He got hired. On the day he was hired, he had nothing as a football coach. And now, as he is going through his first year, and I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Look, I like Frank Reich his first year. Everybody likes a coach his first year. And then you start watching. And then you're going to the chin. And then you're saying, huh. Things that make you go, hmm, this guy, makes bad decisions. This guy doesn't have a team of tough guys. And then Hard Knocks came out. And Hard Knocks came out and it exposed Frank Reich. And I'm sad to say, I'm sad to say it exposed Frank Reich as a guy that didn't have much to him. He certainly does have much to him as a human being. Great father, great grandfather, fantastic human being. feel like you always got to say that about Tom Allen or Frank Wright, Or uh, apparently Richard Sherman when he acted like a complete idiot to Aaron Andrews years ago, and everybody had to say, well, you know, no, 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 no. Every white media guy was afraid to be deemed a racist by calling Richard Sherman what he was, which is a complete idiot in that interview. But Frank Reich, yes, you're a good guy. Let's take it out. I, I don't know what to tell you. At some point, you got to develop something. Reich is such a player's coach, he's so afraid of players that players take advantage of him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't good. No, that's really bad. Look, you, I, I say this all the time to young coaches. Young coaches come sit at my knee. They do. They ask me questions because, well, I'm not afraid to give them good answers. But I got to tell you, it is harder, and this sure, I'm sure this goes into business. It is harder to toughen up than it is to lighten up. Hmm. Caleb Williams. I talked about Caleb Williams earlier. Caleb Williams for the third straight year. He wasn't there three years. T- second straight year. Gets his brains beat out by UCLA, his rival. In actually the best uniform game of the year. I love watching the game. The grass is green. The colors are great. I love watching the game. But those two teams were so bad, I can't remember what I watched instead. Might have been Virginia somebody because my guy, the sack attack, gave me on Virginia. And it hit because, well, my guy went 12-1 and over the weekend. But anyway... So I'm watching Caleb Williams. He seems disconnected. His team's got nothing. He's the leader of the team. They don't give you anything. And next thing you know, they get their brains beat out. Is it Caleb Williams' fault? Hell yeah. Why isn't it? I mean, he's the leader of the team. He's the guy getting all the money. He don't want to talk to the media after. I'm tired of Caleb Williams. I'm glad he's gone from college football. Beware. Buyer, beware if he comes to your city. Maybe not in the first year. Probably be pretty good. But remember, this is a guy whose agent and he, in the middle of the college basketball or football season, leaked that they want to have ownership in the team that drafts them. I don't know. Angel Reese. Remember Angel Reese? Angel Reese acted like a complete jackass on the court after winning the NCAA women's title against... Iowa. Then Angel Reese does what most jackasses do. I'm the realist. I'm ghetto, she said. Oh, great. Good for you. Then, of course, she did what women athletes all across the country are doing. She took her clothes off, showed a little underboob, uh, put her finger in her mouth, and made some money on NIL. And then Angel Reese became a star. But she was always a pain in the ass. Always. And her actions on the court during the NCAA tournament were idiotic. Sorry, they just were Doing it in the face of an opponent is idiotic. But she chose to do it because, well, she could. But then she went, and, well, I got to do this, I got to do that. I am something Barbie. I don't know. Well, guess what? happens all the time. I tell you all the time. It is so much harder to handle success than it is failure. Now, look, a lot of people have failure, and they go into the bottle, and they go into drugs, and, okay. But a lot of people do that with success. So Angel Reese apparently could not handle success. So Angel Reese is currently off of the LSU women's basketball team. Why, you ask? I don't know. Some are saying grade point average. Now, look, I got to tell you. I mean, let's be honest. It is is damn near impossible, at least according to coaches I've talked to, both black and white, for an African-American to flunk out of a college these days. Actually, at Ohio State, they said things where some professors are not allowed to give under a seat. I'm not buying that Angel Reese is, uh, I don't know. I'm not buying that Angel Reese is academically ineligible. It is almost impossible, right? Now, her coach is acting like an idiot. Her coach is making idiotic jokes about COVID. Her coach is saying that, you know, you all don't deserve to know. Her coach wants all the attention. Angel Reese wears a crown, takes her clothes off, and next thing you know, she is not on the team, and mothers are talking. So, Jasmine Carson says, y'all better hope I don't say nothing. Now, how can you be academically ineligible at LSU when that's how – because you know, it would be breaking news. Moms are involved. Folks, please don't send me long messages. Your daughter is academically ineligible. There you go. All right. She's had a horse bleep attitude. It's impossible for her. There is no way she's academically ineligible. Uh, one of the mommies, one of the mommies, Fluja Johnson's mother, Kia Brooks, Not happy. She went after Angel Reese's mom. You definitely know about grammar errors when your daughter got a 2.0 or less GPA. Stop being petty, fake and hateful, and take responsibility for you and your daughter's action. Now, of course, a little pain in the ass is Kim Mulkey, who wants all the attention. She wears all these elaborate clothes. She's dying for attention. But when things get tough, what does young Ms. Mulkey do? She acts like a jackass. She goes, Bobby Knight, good for her. Wear a crown before a game. Take your clothes off, show a little boob, put your finger in your mouth, and I'm shocked that some college girl is having a problem handling this type of success. Oh my God, I am shocked. Speaking of handling success, nobody handled success and nobody was better than Barry Sanders. Can't wait to talk to what many feel is the the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Uh, Waiting on the great Barry Sanders. You know, everybody's got an opinion, right? Everybody's got an opinion on who the greatest running back in the NFL uh, is. And a lot of people think Barry Sanders. I thought Barry Sanders was the hardest running back to tackle. And I love how he went about his business, too, man. He would knock people over, change on a dime. He's the quickest cutting running back. He and Gale Sayers. Now, I really didn't see Gale Sayers uh, because I'm not that old. But, hey, I saw him a little bit. And everybody tells me, but Barry Sanders was absolutely great. And uh, he's a Hall of Famer We're waiting on him to get off of another call. And let's just talk about, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions yesterday, the bandwagon is growing. Barry actually put out a put a tweet saying he's gonna be on a lot of shows today, trying to get into the new ESPN Thunderdome to chat with Pat McAfee. Well, he's doing better, at least in Indianapolis. Dockage is king. So he uh, the Thunderdome is about two and a half miles, not even that, away from my house. So Barry's doing it great. But the truth of the matter is, he's right. At the end of it, he talks about getting on the Lions bandwagon with me. Now, look, he's absolutely right. The bandwagon is getting bigger, and the bandwagon is getting big for one reason. Let's be honest. No, it's not Dan Campbell. It's that they're winning. I mean, you're going into Thanksgiving, and the Detroit football Lions are a team that many people are talking about. Well, most people are talking about because they and 2 I mean, think about that. Those of you that have watched the NFL for a zillion years, and I have growing up outside Chicago and being a Bears fan, I saw point blank how the Bears and the Detroit Lions used to fight for mediocrity for years and years and years. Uh, We had Walter Payton. Finally, Ditka came in. We got a defense with Buddy Ryan, and next thing you know, we were champions. But no matter what it felt like the Detroit Lions did with Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, a bunch of different talented guys, it was just like, damn, they couldn't get over the hump, and now they have. And then you throw in must-see TV with Dan Campbell, and you've got something. You do. You've got something. And yesterday, I got to tell you, I get it. First impressions are the most lasting, and people may say, hey, Guess what? Jared Goff is a bust. Jared Goff is no bust. Yeah, I know. First impressions, he was with the Rams. Rams got rid of him. They got Matt Stafford in there. And it's one of those deals where, guess what? The trade worked out for both. Stafford led the Rams to the Super Bowl. Good for Stafford. And the Rams did a hell of a job adding pieces, including Odell Beckham Jr. to that Super Bowl team. And Odell Beckham Jr. not gotten hurt. He probably was the MVP of that Super Bowl. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you paid attention. But it's worked out pretty damn well for the Lions. Look, the Lions yesterday against Matt Eberflus, a guy that guess you know what is supposed to be a defensive guru. Matt Eberflus came to the Bears from here in Indianapolis, and I told everybody Rick Venturi and I told you Matt Eberflus was a fraud. His high school was a defense was a excuse me his defense was a high school defense. Tampa two. Ben, 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 hope you get a turnover. So they got some turnovers, but they never won. And somehow, someway, Eberfluss goes to the Bears, and Iberfluss ends up being the head coach? I think he was going to get axed here. But somehow, someway, Grandpa Polian pulled the strings. Well, yesterday, the Detroit Lions under Dan Campbell did to Eberfluss what damn near everybody in Indianapolis that paid attention that knows anything about football knew was going to happen. The Detroit Lions, first team ever down two scores gave up four fumbles, or excuse me, four turnovers over 40 minutes of possession with the other team, and guess what? First team ever, 48 no, to come back and win. The Bears were in a position where 48 other teams got four turnovers in a game, had over 40 minutes of possession, and the Chicago Bears played that Tampa 2 defense, and the Detroit Lions went and won the game. And those of us that know anything about the sport, know anything about coaching, no it was coming because Iberfliss sucks and Jared Goff's pretty good. I see Barry's there. Uh, Barry, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, thanks for taking a few minutes with us. I appreciate it. Uh, McAfee's a friend of mine. I saw your tweet to him. We're two miles from the Thunderdome, and I got to tell you, This is a better show anyway, damn it. So you're doing the right thing by coming on here, Barry. There you go. Absolutely. How about that?
3: Glad to be here, man. Hey,
1: I'm good. One of the things I saw in the tweet was the bandwagon for the Lions. That bandwagon starts with winning, but I was talking about two things. Jared Goff's resurgence and Dan Campbell, his must-see TV postgame, pretty good – Pretty good right now with Detroit.
3: Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. These guys, um, you know, they're making it happen. These, you know, this is a team we've been we've been waiting for. Um, they're responding, you know, when you go in and get, when you get a win like that, overcoming, you know, those kind of turnovers, uh, that, that's big. Four, oh,
1: 48 and 0. Oh, four turnovers. A team that co- gets four turnovers and has over 40 minutes of possession. They are 48-0 until yesterday when the Lions came back. What is it that you see out of Dan Campbell that has helped this team get to where they are?
3: I think what I see from Coach Campbell is he's just created a standard um, and expectations of, um, of just going forward, you know, and, and um, <clears throat> the players trust him that he's going to do everything possible to win, um, you know, and, and, and uh, he has their trust. Um, and really just creating a culture um, of uh, a culture of expecting to win. Um, I think he and Brad Holmes have done that. Um, You know, they've got the right players in the building. You talked about Jared Goff. I mean, Jared has just been amazing, Um, you know, just the kind of stability that he's um, established here and created here. Um, You know, we were, not I mean, I would say two seasons ago, um, we just didn't – we didn't expect him for him to still be here, you know. Um, and so the fact that he's still here playing at a high level, um, contributing the way that he has, um, you know, being you know, the captain and one, the leader of the team on the field. So uh, just a lot of the, the right elements, I think, uh, are coming together to uh, – but certainly it all starts with Coach Campbell.
1: How hard is it to come into an NFL locker room and earn that trust. How difficult is that?
3: Oh, it's a challenge, you know, because just like players have to prove themselves, um, I think and I believe coaches have to do the same thing, you know, and because players are watching. Uh they're listening, but they're also watching. Um, and um and you certainly have to earn the respect, you know, so so it's not a given that it's gonna happen. Um, you know, we've had you know, we we don't have to go through all the the names that, of the coaches that have been in and out of the building, um, but I think uh, Coach Campbell has certainly earned respect of the guys, um, you know, and, and even the respect of the community, you know, and and uh, I think he came in at, from day one, you know, saying, hey, look, um, you know, it's not it's not going to be business as usual, um, and really establishing his own culture that he wanted um, wanted to bring into the building with him.
1: I had a friend of mine that he didn't, I I, I told him I wouldn't say his name, but he told me in his lifetime, and he's a big guy, he's never seen a guy eat like you, like never, like a loaf of bread, eat, ribs, whatever, eat, steak, half a cow. He said, I've never seen a man eat like Barry Sanders could eat, true or false.
3: I mean, I think back in my younger days, I could, I could put it down pretty good. I mean, I don't, <laughs> you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize, you know, I'm one of 11. So, you know, I had to sometimes, you know, arm wrestle my brother or, or even my sister, you know, for seconds or thirds, you know, so, <laughs> so no, yeah, back, back in the day, I don't, I wouldn't say that's the case now, but uh, um, I feel like I definitely always punched above my weight uh, as far as uh as far as how much I can put away, for sure. So that's true
1: to that. Yeah, yes. guy said I, I saw. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just wanted to ask before I I want to get into other things. But he said you got to ask Barry because I've never seen anybody in the history of the world eat an entire I'm loaf of bread.
3: Who, I'm, and, curious, I'm curious. I'm curious as to who that that was that said
1: that. But sounds, I, told you, like I, I told you. I told him to I wouldn't say. Me. No, it sounds like you. I, I don't know. That <laughs> he said, well, when, I mean, I'm, I'm not just a pretty face here. You know, I try to do a little research on the people that I'm talking about outside of, hey, you know, how'd you like, I'm, I'm going to go back to something. You were, and, and Calvin Johnson, you guys were both critical uh, of the Detroit Lions uh, and, the, and the organization when you left. You played 10 seasons. Um, what do you see out of this organization? You mentioned general manager Holmes, you know, Spielman's in there. What, what do you see, not just the coaching, but what do you see on the front office that, you know, makes you excited about not only the wins, but what's happening here maybe long-term?
3: Well, I think they seem to be re- really coordinated in, in a certain way and everyone on the same page and everyone, you know, buying into the standard <clears throat> that they want to create and the type of player that they want to have in the building. Um, you see how all these um, – you know, all these young players, you know, who are contributing, uh, you know, like the Branch kid or the the Campbell kid or the Laporta or Laporta, or you look at Gibbs or, I mean, you can go down the line. um, Obviously, um, you know, David Montgomery, um, you know, St. Brown. I mean, just, you know, I mean, you the kind of contributions you're getting um, from all these young players, you know, many of whom aren't even in their prime, um, you know, and it's exciting, man. You know, it's, it's exciting. Uh, so I think that's the one thing you see, just how coordinated the top brass um, is <clears throat> is in creating this, this culture with, you know, Chris Bill and Sheila Ford and Coach Campbell and Brad Holmes, um, you know, and, and um, you know, Rod Wood and all those guys. So So I think that's probably the biggest difference.
1: What, what was it like for you? Because, look, I grew up a Bears fan. I'm older than you, but I grew up a Bears fan. And, really, they only got good. And they had Walter Payton. I mean, Walter was our guy in Chicago. You were the guy in Detroit. What was it about the, the management for years with the Detroit Lions that held it back? Because you had good, great players.
3: Wow. I mean, let me hey, let me try to remember back, back then. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I I really, as a player, I mean, I didn't, I I certainly wasn't um, especially a young player. I I wasn't really in the business of trying to analyze, you know, management, but, but um, I certainly think, you know, I certainly think uh, we dropped the ball uh, back then. It's probably on some, some choices with players, you know, guys who we may have drafted or guys who we didn't decide not to draft. Um, If I were, you know, able to, you know, and maybe some of the guys you let go probably too soon. Um, if I were to try to critique it, um, you know, so those, those would probably be some of the. Um, those, those would probably be some of the things that I, w- I would say.
1: Your faith was big to you. How did your faith help you as you went through football? And, and did your was your faith tied into you finally getting out of the game?
3: Oh well, I think. I mean, I think that's something that can help you in any walk of life or anything you're doing. Um, and I think it just kind of gave me a good perspective on, on the game and on life. Um, and, uh, in just, you know, my approach to everyday life. So I, I think it was, it was very helpful.
1: Why'd you retire so early? I guess it's early. I don't know. 10 years seems like a lot.
3: Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you get a chance to watch the documentary, I think all those questions are answered. I, I think. You know, I think, um, you know, being a being uh, playing for 10 years, um, you know, and and, uh, and and really having a great, great run at it. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you know, without without going into great detail, I, I think, you know, you get a chance to watch watch the doc. They cover they cover, you know, they, they, they found so much stuff, um, you know, the footage they fo- found just going back. Really amaze me, but they 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 start from the beginning and go all the way to the end um you know, and so i I think a lot of that is certainly covered in that um you know and and um you know, so yeah i I, I think that that'll answer all your questions.
1: See, that's a professional answer right there. That's a bullshit professional answer right there. I'm not giving you nothing on your show, but the documentary is bye bye Barry. it comes out today. Uh, that's the, that is, you're a pro. You are you were supposed to be like this reclusive guy. And now you're in all these commercials. You're playing, te- you're doing all kinds of stuff.
3: I'm just, you know, just trying to be productive, man. You know, Um I'm, I'm doing what I can. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I can't, I can't play the game anymore. So I, I got to do something, Um, you know, so, uh <laughs> but, uh but yeah, so I, you know, I think, I think um, you know I think uh, to, to, to try to answer your question, you know I, I think um, you know it, it it's interesting just your perspective as a young player and as an older player, you know most most of, most of the time your perspective does change, um, you know and and maybe hey, maybe I was too old at, at thirty one to keep playing the game, you know, maybe I lost a step. I mean who who knows?
1: Yeah, you didn't lose nothing. You are smarter than everybody. <laughs> you got out ahead. You, you were smarter. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, the documentary is Bye Bye Barry. I'm watching it. It comes out tonight uh, on Amazon. Um, what was your first day? Maybe this is in a documentary, so okay, all right. But what, what what was your first day like? Do you remember your first day not being on a football team after you retired? Because you've been on a football team, you know. Your whole
3: life. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it was it was difficult, um, you know, and and um, it's something that I I think I realized I would always miss, you know. So so um, you know, and I, I think eventually, if I go beyond that first day, I mean, I realized I was probably never going to find something like football. But but yeah, it was it was, it was it's something I certainly missed. Um, but um, at the same time. You know, I I realized that I was also ready to move on.
1: Barry, thanks, man. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Always admired you. Thank you for the time.
3: Very welcome, man. Great to be here. Take care.
1: If you don't know Barry Sanders, watch this documentary tonight. Bye-bye, Barry. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Even if it's nothing other than just to see the unbelievable video, compare Barry Sanders and what he does with these guys running out of bounds, shying away from contact. That dude was a bad Bad, bad man. And thanks to everybody for having Barry on. Much appreciated. Beth the Booker, Aaron, et al. Getting it done. Look, he played 10 seasons. And when he retired, it was kind of shocking to everybody. Everyone, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, he's supposed to play. Calvin Johnson did the same thing. But now you look back and that man's a genius. That man understood. Hey, look, I better get the hell out of here while the getting's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's time to go. And Barry Sanders went on his terms, and it is fascinating because I'm telling you, back in the day when you followed uh, the Bears or you followed even the Packers, the Packers were no good. The Minnesota Vikings and the people, pe- Purple People Eaters started dominating, and then the Packers got okay, and then of course uh, the Bears got good for a stretch there, probably three or four year run, and then it kind of went back and forth. But it was never the Detroit Lions; it just wasn't. It was not the Detroit Lions. And so guess what? Now Dan Campbell comes in. I remember, and you guys that watch my, uh, listen to my radio show, you'll get this. You will remember, I told you when the Lions came into Indianapolis two years ago and they scrimmaged, I said on my radio show, I don't know whether or not the Lions are any good. I know the culture's supposed to be. They were picked to win the division. They were picked to do all this great stuff. I said, I don't know who's supposed to be good. I don't know who's not supposed to be good. But I watched these teams practice for three days. And the Lions are every bit as good as the Colts, period. Not even even a question. Not even a debate. And you could see that. So now all of a sudden, hey, look, Thursday, guess what we get to do? We get to watch good football on Thanksgiving that involves the Lions. How about them apples? That's pretty good. Hey, a lot of you are asking me uh, for bets today because college football, college basketball, this is the greatest week. College basketball starts at 11 o'clock. High point against Iona. How about that? Then after that game, and I don't think you can watch this on TV, this is a tough one. I'm not giving you any action on this one, but my boys at Illinois State Take on Danny Munson. Remember Danny Munson? He really was the guy that started Gonzaga. And then Danny Munson was the guy that went to Minnesota, struggled, and now he's back at Long Beach State. And they just beat Michigan. But the marquee game of the day, and Tennessee plays Syracuse. Tennessee's 12-and-a-half point favorite against Syracuse. Indiana plays Louisville. But the marquee game of the day is Purdue and Gonzaga. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you were going to ask me, what would you be? Gun to head. I'm taking Purdue. I'm taking Purdue. I'll give you the six. I am. I am. I think Gonzaga's really good. I I think they're good. But Purdue's going to beat Gonzaga. Purdue's going to beat them double digits. And if you want a sassy little parlay, I'll give you a sassy little one. I mean, why not spend your day betting on Indiana sports teams? Why not spend your day on an Indiana to win the game, minus 360, Purdue to win the game, minus $205, $10 is going to pay you. I'll tell you right now, I'm putting in $10. $10, you're going to get 19 bucks out of it. It's almost two to one. I'll put $100 bucks on it. I'm going to get $90 back. I ain't mad at it. Eh, it's good. We'll put $100 to win $90.10. There you go. I don't know. Uh, Jason Cox says, take Iona. Points. Ryan Mueller, high point, plus five. Gritty is going opposite, saying take Louisville. Louisville got a massive win, and yesterday college basketball did not disappoint because a kid from Texas hit a step-back jack under big heat. Louisville's going to fold like a cheap suit. Indiana's going to win big today. There you go. All right. Welcome, dope me, baby. You guys are awesome, man. The crowd has been great today. Barry Sanders, terrific. Watch the documentary. Go ahead. Uh, Someone should not have spoken against open border. The FBI has seized New York mayor's phones related to a federal corruption investigation. I wonder. I wonder. You know, our guy, Clay Travis, is being audited or being investigated or fined for 39 bucks. Speak out against the government. Is this the world that we're living in? I don't know. I feel like if you are the mayor of New York City or you are the governor of Illinois, you're going to go to jail or you're going to be arrested or you're going to be indicted or you're going to be charged. I don't know. My niece is an attorney in the Southern District of New York, the most highly charged, most whatever, powerful part of the country. I can't wait to talk to her at Thanksgiving. We're going to my brother's house for Thanksgiving. I can't wait to talk to her about all this. Not this necessarily, because I'm sure she's not gonna say anything, but just how this whole thing works. But I feel like if you're the, I don't know, if you're the mayor of New York, you're gonna get charged. If you're the governor of Illinois, you're going to jail. Yeah, just feels like that to me. Next! Okay, so if chocolate cows don't exist, Explain chocolate milk. Hey, Joe, sit the fuck down. Just sit down. Just sit down, Joe. Come on. Let let the adults in the room handle this, please. Do you mind, Joe? All right. All right. That's all we're asking, Joe. Let the adults in the room handle it. I think I'm becoming Joe Biden because I can't remember if I took a shower this morning. I know I shaved, but I can't remember if I took a shower. Next! It's true. Oh, man. Did you see this? Did you see the other day some dude crapped on a dog in San Francisco? Seriously. Dudes are crapping all over San Francisco. Like, I got to ask you, what kind of society are we living in, in the most beautiful city, maybe in the country? Human beings are crapping. Like, this happens in Indy. My owner of Emma's Communications, greatest dude in the history of radio, Jeff schmullion you can look him up, great dude. I walk in one day, and they're installing cameras in the garage, cameras by the elevators, cameras everywhere, so I know something's happened. And I go to the guys that are installing, they were my friends, I go, yo, what are we doing? They go, oh, man. Two days in a row, somebody took a dump on Mr. Smolian's car. I go, what do you mean on Mr. Smolian's car? Well, one time it was on the hood. The other time it was next to it. I go, wait, a dog? No, human being. Come on, people. I always ask this. What are you wiping with when you're taking a dump in the middle of the street? What are you walking around with in them drawers the rest of the day? I don't know. But it ain't good. Huh. All right, uh, two big brains, me and Ken Sterling. Ken Sterling and I are gonna do a little 45-minute show coming up at 130. 130, Gritty, don't miss this one. Two Big Brains, all local will react. And I want to hear from you. The voicemails aren't pumping. I may call it right now. All right, here's the number. 929. I'm doing it right now. 929 687 3941 I'm calling my own hotline. And I'm going to let me know that I don't like what the hell I got to say about Indiana. I don't like what I'm saying. That's right. And if you don't like what we're saying, or if you like what we're saying, we'd rather hear flowers. We'd rather hear nice stuff. It's 929-687-3941. Or you can email us, outkickdockage at gmail.com. Last thing. Uh, if you want your organization to get bikes, all right, dot DanDokic.com. dandokic.com and fill it out. And next thing you know, we're going to give away 70 to 100 bikes right now. We would rather. Hey, dokic I don't like what you're talking about with Indiana basketball. You seem to be a hater. Look, you played there hundred years ago. Your team sucked as a senior. You were the captain. Go to hell away, support Mike Woodson, and kiss my ass, Dockage. It's that easy. See you tomorrow.